Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. Joe Biden today, certainly he was commander-in-chief, but he was also papa-in-chief. Here is a man ah! who gave Americans permission to feel good about who we are and what we can become again. This was just such a breath of fresh air uh, that we desperately needed. He is the better angel president. Joe Biden believes he's, he's eternally optimistic. He's not cynical. There are few politicians in Washington, perhaps no politicians in Washington, who can lay claim to that kind of message like Joe Biden can. By his side, Kamala D. Harris, the first woman and person of color to become vice president. This is such an important moment, I have to tell you. You can only imagine. This episode of Tom Shattuck's <laughs> Burn Barrel is rated triple X, in case you haven't noticed already. For salacious uh, sexual encounters between the media and the new president, it was gratuitous. It was obscene all day. Imagine little girls from sea to shining sea looking on as their parents say, you too can do that. A lot of black girls out there in the world today are smiling maybe for the first time in four years. <laughs> <laughs> Holy Jesus. Did. Little black girls haven't smiled in four years. Not one. <laughs> Not one. Nope. I saw the survey, actually. It was remarkable. Wow. Finally. Wow. Finally, there's a reason. Fixed speech. This was an address like no other. It felt cathartic, heartfelt. Modest, austere, brave, cleansing, calming. It ended Jesus. with a feeling of hope springing eternal. Today's inauguration. In Charlie Sheen's heyday of uh, hookers and, uh, you know, uh, women of uh, ill repute. In his heyday, there was not this much uh, salacious, uh, tongue-bathing, rated X uh, romance happening. Incredible, and it's awesome. felt more like a church service. Like a priest explaining something from the Bible or something. I'm breaking it down for you so we can all have a common language and a common understanding. Like after a good sermon, the congregation doesn't want to go home, right? People are still... How is not Washington, D.C. the psychologist capital of the world? <laughs> Maybe it is. It probably it's is. <laughs> incredible. He was like a sermon to me. Yes, Father. Tell us more, Papa. <laughs> Hugging, shaking hands. He also used this moment to attempt to reclaim truth. Particularly for all of us <laughs> as journalists, it was really resonant to hear the president say... These are working reporters, remember? Yeah, this isn't opinion analysis. No, this is this is Casey Hunt, I think we're hearing from them. These are all working reporters, people who get paid to disseminate news and information to you. You know, this is about defending the truth and defeating the lies. 71% of Americans right now believe that democracy itself is in peril. And I wonder how much that changes today. And the sun started shining during his ceremony, Wolf. As his voice quivers. Holy God, get help. Holy God. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. This this 
need, this internal need, emotional need to paternalize an elected bureaucrat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to paternalize what the finally there's somebody who will take care of me. He'll take care of me. Maybe he'll point at me when he's pointing at nobody in the crowd. Maybe he'll mm -hmm. point at me. Then finally, thankfully, now <laughs> we have somebody to shepherd us along. Well, and it's weird because, I mean, with Obama, it was still silly, but you could sort of see where it was coming from because Obama was kind of cool and, you know, interesting and he there, delivered yes, a speech there was with a great entree tone. into that cult of personality. Right. So I get it with Obama, but like with Bi Biden's like the least likely person in Washington DC no. <laughs> to have this. It's so weird. I mean, like he's like the most unexciting, most politician-y politician Still of all done. time. Wait a second, you talking about Papa? <laughs> Still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address, but his aides are, are have made really clear it's not like he's trying. David Chalian is the political director for CNN. He's a high up management on air person. He yeah. makes important coverage decisions to ignore or paper over uh, either what happened. I hate him because he's fat like me and he's on TV. And I don't I think that you shouldn't be that fat and be on TV. I think that we should have my people, the Guild <laughs> of Fats, should have an agreement to stay off of TV. I like TV your I like your people, although I was surprised today. Hey, you leave him alone. I like him a lot and I like you a lot. And you all fire in a hole, people, Ben. Some people might consider you pleasantly plump, and I like Ben Dominich, but I saw him on TV it's today, just... and there is quite a stark uh, difference between his Twitter profile picture and his on-TV He's usually, he's put some weight on. It's his winter it's weight. It's fine. It's fine. I um, like him. I just was surprised. It's, it's, um, um, I obviously it... do not have an anti-fat bias. What do you, what makes it obvious, Alice? <laughs> Something you want to say to me? Uh, so Megan McCain just had a baby. Maybe he had sympathy weight. I like him and Megan. I like the Federalist. I like all of it. They're great. They're a cute couple. I'm happy for them. Well, Maybe he has sympathy weight for the baby. It's great. I just was surprised. That's all. No one likes a skinny Santa. And David Chan, <laughs> David Challey, and this fat here, he's about mm -hmm. to say something Al's religious. So listen. But at the Capitol two weeks ago, or what we've been through uh, throughout four years of the Trump. What have you been through, fatty? <laughs> what have you been through? Um, they've had record ratings for them, and right. and they've all gotten raises, we've and they're considered minor celebrities. Been through. Because He's mean the, the to Trump us. Presidency. He's mean to us. Rallies. I don't get it. The presidency and the contrast on display tonight was so stark. I mean, those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. It, I look. It's like almost. Uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town and sort of convened the... You sick bastard. You sick person. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden is a, another stock-and-trade politician, uh, except a subpar one with mm -hmm. many, many ethical problems and challenges, <laughs> who's yeah. been as cynical as possible in Washington, D.C., I have nothing, no problem with the guy. He's fine. Mm -hmm. he, he's a Washington politician, lifer. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, he's even kind of likable in that way. Sure. He's got, you know, it was funny because I thought like the most relatable thing he said his whole speech was when he said, like, politics isn't supposed to be this raging fire. And I turned to you and I was like, yeah, for Joe Biden, politics has always been like going out drinking with your Republican buddies after you get done putting on a pretend show right. in the Capitol, then you go hang out together. It's not supposed to actually be contentious. You're not supposed to actually dislike the other side. Like, that's Joe Biden. And, you know, it's likable for what it is, but it's not, like, he's not worship-worthy. Well, he's right. just a guy it, in Washington. But even, there's nobody worth worship-worthy on this earth right now. <laughs> there's nobody. For this guy to be saying, my God, it's like he's reaching out to us. What need, what emotional need is that filling? Well, this that somebody, is why. Something magic is happening. It's not just reporting. It's magic. And he feels that comfortable saying it out loud? Yeah. This is why I think we maybe need to start just uh, saying that political views are religious beliefs and fall under that part of <laughs> non-discrimination law. Because for the left, this really is a religious belief. The politics, the that. good versus evil it, sweep of politics. And why politics does this man need Joe Biden's arms to be reaching out to him? He needs I don't a want hug. Joe Biden's arms he to be reaching out to me. He needs a hug from Joe Biden 
from Papa? <laughs> country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. And contrast that with that video you just saw of a disgraced president on his way out at his lowest point uh, in his presidency. With his arms not outstretched. See, at the very end here, uh, by himself, uh, fighting for uh, his political movement to live on. And not even necessarily promising uh, that he's going to be leading that movement, uh, you noted in, in his remarks tonight. I, I just think that sort of isolated... I, there's something about this need... I want to see somebody who's empathetic, who's nice to me, nice to me. I want to make sure the guy who's who's you know leading the cabinet meeting with the Department of Labor in the Department <laughs> of the Interior is somebody who's got a big heart and is nice to me when he talks to me on TV. It's remarkable. It's very weird. The gap, the void that these people need filled, and in, in like I said, his willingness to say it. You know mm -hmm. what? I've got a great idea. Yeah. On this news show. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the feelings at the reflecting pool to me, how my emotions, how it makes me emote and the symbolism that I see. No, those aren't just reflections. You know what it's like? The much needed arms of a savior. And it feels so, it's so stark compared to the bad guy before. Oh, speaking of the bad guy. Um, speaking of Trump, I have to issue a correction, or I guess an addendum, um, which is that our listener Allison messaged me mm -hmm. yesterday after yesterday's show, and I had said, you know, it's not like Congress cut off Nixon from having Secret Service protection, mm -hmm. and she pointed out to me that, in fact, Nixon gave up his Secret Service protection voluntarily, not right away, but like in 85, okay. he decided he didn't want to cost the taxpayers money anymore, and so he then gave up his Secret Service protection. You probably just don't want protection. dudes around anyway, but by, by, by <laughs> I mean, that time, point, by yeah. that time, you're your, your, you know, whatever classified knowledge you have is probably useless. At that yeah, point. and he's what? That's like what? Thirteen years out of the presidency or something for him, right? Or, yeah, so a um, while. So, and this, it wasn't just it, Chris Wallace was also struck by. At least this is an analytical breakdown of the speech. Mm -hmm. But Chris Wallace was also struck by the speech. I would say there's a little bit of hyperbole here. I thought it was a great speech. Um, I've been listening to these inaugural addresses since 1961. John F. Kennedy asked not. I thought this was the best inaugural address I ever heard. Obviously, that's a bold statement. Yes, I would say it is a bold. To say, statement. ask not what your country can do for you pales in comparison to the no nope. to the delivery of the speech. I mean, it was a fine speech. Like it was okay. It hit all the stuff. But it, Biden's it, delivery is so vanilla that it's sort of hard to get excited to me. Anyway, well, but he said unity, unity, unity. It's a fine speech if you're. If you've already constructed for yourself this hopeful vision of what the speech will be, and then you can mm -hmm. tick off the words as he says them that you're wanting to hear, right? Like unity, things like mm -hmm. that. You know, empathy and healing. For country. Yes, healing. We're all healing now, and all those things. So you can feel good about not knowing anything about policy or politics or whatever. Well, right. It, but they just are having emotions because Trump is gone and Trump was really upsetting. Right. So they're just projecting their emotions onto whatever the speech is that Biden's giving. Right. And, and I, they feel that now. So they assume it was the speech that did that. And I think that this Chris Wallace thing is a, really the metadata here is saying F you Trump. <laughs> a lot of this event today, a lot of the president's speech was was colored by the emotion of the fact that exactly two weeks ago, 14 days ago, there was a mob of thugs, of insurrectionists, of domestic terrorists on the inaugural stand. And Joe Biden was saying that democracy prevailed. We, was able to, we were able to get through that. And he was talking about how we need to get through that in the future if we are going to be a united country. He talked about white supremacy, domestic terrorism. Jesus. He said we must confront it, we will defeat it. My whole soul is in this, uniting our people. You know, I, I think it was less uh, an inaugural address and more uh, uh, part sermon, part pep talk, talking Jesus. directly to the American people, saying, hear me out. Uh, we, you, we have a right to dissent peacefully, but our disagreement must not lead to disunion. He was, it was a call to our... Is that a profound thing to say? That we shouldn't yeah. have a civil war? That we should be able to disagree without killing each other? That How is that a profound thing not to say? And the other <laughs> really problem is, and this is why Chris, Chris Wallace here is so disappointing, mm -hmm. is that, sure, he's saying all the buzzwords that have polled well around right. the country right now that won him the, won him the election. 
but Biden's entire career belies everything he's saying. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'd have a little bit of caution and hold back a little bit from the reflecting pool, pond, embrace, et cetera, maybe before you decided this is the greatest speech ever told. Did he, didn't he too say that he was going to get rid of structural racism or and racism in the criminal justice system or something like that too? Yes, yes. He's <laughs> going to do all sorts of things that, you know, he's never been around the Oval Office before, so he hasn't had any time to figure any of this out. Saying, look, we've got tremendous challenges, COVID, the economy, racial injustice, climate change, but there's nothing we can't do if we, if we come together. And there's one other thing. That is the very definition of boilerplate mm -hmm. yeah we've got these you know what there's you know some men see things as they are and say ask why and i see things as they could be and ask why not i get it you know <laughs> it, it's the same thing you know there's uh there's not there's nothing that we can't do if we put our minds together to you know that from this we put a man on the moon we can do this thing he said that i think especially us in the media there's nothing that can be uh, change with what's wrong with the country by using what's right with the country. What was the Clinton thing? Something like that. Must know. They're all the same speech. He said that there is truth and there are lies, lies that are told for power and lies that are told for profit. And I think that it was a call to all of us, whether it's us on the air, on cable or broadcast, whether it's us on social media, on our Twitter accounts, understanding that we have to deal from, from the from facts, from the truth, to hear each other out, as he said, a right to disagree, but not a right to violence. Um, it, this is the easy part. Uh, as a yes. No, you think, Chris, there are tru there's truth and there are lies. In that, it, it, although a fairly vanilla statement, that's true. What's notable about it is it's coming from one of the most prolific liars in, <laughs> right. in, in United States politics, somebody who's been disgraced and had to leave presidential races because of his problem with the truth, because he made up entire an entire fake biography. Wait, I, I take that back. He didn't make it up. He stole it from somebody else. <laughs> his entire autobiography. Right. His life in his political career has been rife with lies, which are not just political flim-flam stuff, stuff that he's been mm -hmm. called out for. He claimed to have an experience in the civil rights movement. He did not. You know, he screwed with his college transcripts. You know, he lied about his grades. He stole somebody else's biography. He stole speeches from RFK and JFK and Neil Kinnock, who nobody would know about if it wasn't for Joe Biden. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a guy who should tread carefully around the concept of truth-telling. But and, and Chris Wallace should know better. But it, it's it's not. A, it doesn't matter. They need a papa. The country needs a papa to feel good. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what people think that their president is supposed to be, like almost a televangelist, somebody who's going to absolve me of my sins, make me feel better about myself, and inspire me. <laughs> right. And I'm supposed to be leaving. I, I want him to be on TV every day, making me feel good. That's good TV, and that's what it is. And the 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 idea that it hits. That the people who are supposed to be detached from this, the reporters, are drawn into this even more. You know, that's why a lot of people don't like sports reporters and they call them jock sniffers because mm -hmm. there are many sports reporters who love to hang out with the teams. They get to hang out mm -hmm. with the jocks. Sometimes, once in a while, they get to go out to dinner with them. Sometimes the credit card com companies send them down to spring training with them where they can go and hang out more and they can take selfies with them. They, they love these people. They love these people. The men love being around them. The women sometimes literally love them. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, no, it's no secret. They love these people, and that's why the handful of sports reporters mm -hmm. that are really, really good, like for for instance, Jerry Callahan when he was a sports reporter, mm -hmm. Dan Shaughnessy for the Globe, those guys are hated by the jocks because they're detached. They report on them honestly, regardless. Right. They know that they're not going to get to go out to dinner with Big Poppy because they, you know, wrote something mean about him. Or whoever it is. Right. The really good ones are detested. Peter Gammons. No, no, not Peter Gammons. I'm sorry. Um, Will McDonough, when he was alive, mm -hmm. with the Globe, was one of those people. You know, you, you don't, to be this, you know, to be this groupie for a president is a weird and odd thing to watch. Well, and when did that start, too? Is that like a Kennedy Camelot era thing that presidents became like? celebrities where it was cool to hang out with all the politics people certainly ben bradley with kennedy yeah you know the, the washington post editor was was mm -hmm. chumming around 
the White House for a long time. Well, and they covered for him all the time, mm-hmm. like his affairs and his illnesses and whatever. I don't, I, you know, I think it's, I don't know when it started, but that certainly seems to be a high point of it mm-hmm. that it became normalized. Well, and also, you know, the boomers weren't going to rat out their their fellow boomers. I mean, the the, the press wasn't going to rat out Bill Clinton. He was their guy from their right. generation. Right. Yeah. It, it's remarkable, uh... and it it never ended. You know. Chuck Todd. Well, that's why I think, too, a lot of people cheered for Trump, even when they didn't necessarily like Trump that much, is because he kind of tore down a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the White House Correspondents Association dinner, the which was before Trump was hashtag nerd prom on uh, Twitter, and they all got to dress up and be really cool and go to the Correspondents Dinner. And, you know, all these, all these sort of events and, like, the coolness and of Washington DC and that sort of like celeb status part of it kind of, you know, Trump blew that up and those people really didn't like that. And, you know, I think a lot of kind of regular people really did like it that he, you know, tore all that down. And, you know, that's why you get the like, well, how can Trump who has a gold plated toilet appeal to regular Joe working class people? And it's like, because he's, destroying your elite snobbishness you know right well he's also they want to play house with the president being a warm papa and he didn't do that <laughs> he's from new york right. he's an a-hole he had no time for that and they're like they said so this is beyond the pale no he's too gauche he, he's too vile he's not being papa to us this is let's tear him apart you know we have we come here to washington dc and we feel like we're important and we're covering his history and the majesty of the political process through mm-hmm. the, the through whichever Camelot is in there, and we want somebody to play along. And Trump didn't play along with the game. Right. And when they put, when they cover somebody that they love like Biden, they get to feel important. And like you said, they have nerd prom every year. They give each other <laughs> awards and they get to dress up, and that validates how important they are because yeah. the Kennedy Center, you know, has them over. And this is Trump had no time for that. Trump has no time for arms embracing. Every it's all BS, and he shouldn't have time for that. But I don't want to cut the fact that it works with these losers is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like the worst Papa, version us. of being a you know jock sniffers sports reporter. It's like the lamer version. <laughs> oh yeah, because there's though they're also very self important, right? And you have these people like that. These people, you know, what was it? Uh, saying like finally it's done or whatever oh jim acosta you know finally we can have that drink after our four years in the battle against the bad guy so we finally have a papa back because the bad stepdad was here yelling yelling at us because he wouldn't let us push him around because he was being mean to us sorry you have to go back to sorry you had to sorry that you had to go to work for four years and actually do a job and file stories and report on things and not just show up and be cool and you know reprint the press releases straight from the administration as news you know oh but, yeah because they were with obama they were partners in the administration oh yeah they were part they of the were movement. basically part of the obama administration yes and they're part of the biden administration now to watch joe biden today it was such a stark reminder of of how as a country we do seek out whatever i tell you man that city and the elite talkers in that city stark reminder Stunning visual. Shut the <laughs> frig up. Nobody talks like that. These high and mighty, the oratory has to be sharp, stunning, shocking, you know, stark. And it, mm-hmm. it was a chilling speech he gave, dark and on, ominous speech that Trump gave. Oh, my God. It's incredible. MSNBC is MSNBC. America and the world just heard the new American president declare democracy is precious, democracy is fragile, democracy has prevailed. Wow, the world heard that. America and the world heard that. I hope the world respects us again. That's the most important barometer of anything. (laughs) I hope they respect us again. 32 minutes ago, while Joe Biden spoke... The Gulf Arab nations did not respect... Uh, President Obama, when mm-hmm. he went to bed with Iran, which was an absolute threat to them, you know, uh, you know, but but their respect didn't matter then, you know. The fact that those Gulf Arab states love Trump, that respect, no, that doesn't matter then. The world, we're we're uh, on the world stage. We're a laughing stock now. We're not respected. Both the power of the presidency slipped from the grasp of a twice impeached private citizen. Yeah. That- 
which yeah, that's his uh, that's his dig. Brian mm. Williams dig in Florida. Joe Biden left no doubt he is here to serve all Americans. He left no doubt, said the newsman. No, there was no doubt. Take my word for it. None of us could find any doubt at all. So he's been perfectly vetted. It's a perfectly legit uh, speech by Biden. Completely vetted. There's no doubt. You can't even critique it. There's nothing to critique. It was perfect and more perfect. Gave the kind of inaugural address our presidents used to give. As hopeful as the man delivering it. Yet an honest reflection of a great country at its modern day low point. Can you imagine this absolute horse bleep talker? Can you imagine that they pay they, they pay him for this? But if the audience loves it, oh, Brian Williams is soft, too. That's, you know what? He speaks nice and soft, too. Something important must be happening. <laughs> He's very smart and handsome in a suit on TV. So, so this must be something important. Wow. Beset by two viruses, one a pandemic, the other a sickness that has flowed into our politics. Heard a declaration. A sickness that has flowed into our politics. Mm. Politics was so pristine clean before Trump got here. ...of war against white supremacy and against the lies. Brian Williams, by the way, the remember... He's the, big on truth, I hear. Right. So there's there's another thing you have to know before... As he's applauding, you know, his fellow truth talker. He and Trump, actually... I mean, he and Biden have a lot in common. <laughs> that brought our democracy to the brink. Today, I feel like we've gone through almost a full character arc of the American story. I mean, we've gone from indecency to decency. You know, Joe Biden is a decent man. Yes, that's Tara Reid. He's a very decent man. He's, uh, he's never been anything but decent. Ask the wives of uh, police officers who Joe Biden has uh, well uh, reached his arms around uh, mm -hmm. the reflecting pool. I mean, we've gone from what can only be called idolatry and false religion, um, almost Baalism under Trump, this worship of greed and, and this lust for conquest. There is an old America and there is a new America. And the new America and the old America essentially went to war. Lust for conquest? What the hell does that even possibly mean? Yeah, what were we conquering Yeah, in the Trump years? Conquest, I'm not sure. Trump was one of the least conquesty presidents we've ever yeah, had. he unconquested a lot of our troops away from other parts of the world. Yes, and and by the way, this, uh, this the greed, I believe Joseph Biden is a very rich man as well. No, I wouldn't but, think so. He's he's regular Joe, Amtrak Joe. Joe B Donald Trump floated the idea of purchasing Greenland. That's as, <laughs> that's as conquest as he got. In 2020, physically in the same capital, and New America won because New America got 80 million votes and Old America got 72 million votes. And that's old America. Yeah. That's you, if you're listening, probably. That's us. They're just old America. They're, you don't need to know anything more about them than that. They mm -hmm. have no, you know, they have no, none of their own problems, sensitivities, sensibilities, issues. Uh, they real, are on the way out. Real life challenges. No, that's, you're just simply old America. <laughs> We're still basically at war. Now New America's here. New America is coming in the form of a 96-year-old guy who's been in Washington from even before I was born. And you have a new president now who wants to declare a peace. It is really incredibly fascinating to me how history moves because we do have sort of another person trying to do what Lincoln did. Jesus. Trying it again. And we're going to take a second shot at trying to end this civil war. You know, between an America that feels that some people are captors and some are captives, um, and an America that, you know, Grant believed in, you know, and that the radical Republicans believed in in Lincoln's time. Like, we have to try to do this again. Um, do they really think that we were just in a civil war? Yes. <laughs> we have to do it again. They're in a civil war again. I don't understand how somebody like her over the last four years, the biggest challenge she's had probably is to decide whether to buy a Mercedes or a Range Rover. And that's it. It's, life has been great. Great. The gig is great. Mm -hmm. Everything is great. And to suggest that you know, we are in the, in the midst of, you know, Georgia in 1863 yeah. it, it is a psychotic bit of make pretend. That these people are all in, and right. they do it together in their in upscale Alexandria wine bars, talking about how life is terrible. Right. You know. Meanwhile, looking for their valet park, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, ticket. It's incredible.
It's incredible. Isn't it terrible that we're vic- the victims? Clink, cheers. Isn't it terrible how what's happening now? You know, I would just wish that we could have this uh, this experience, you know, in better times right now. I know. Sickos. Um, God bless Joe Biden. You know, this is a a truly deeply religious man, obviously, a man with incredible compassion. And he's got a great partner in Kamala Harris, you know, who's a stepmom, you know, and a a sort of accessible kind of human being that you can recognize. That is not the word about (laughs) Kamala Harris in uh, in California. This is new America. And I hope that I hope New America wins the war. Joe Biden had to deliver the speech of his life. There's unity for you. I hope New America wins the war against the old America of 72 million people. Hope <laughs> we win that war and vanquish them. I hope there are no prisoners taken. Hopefully they're all just casualties. That's New America. Yay! And he did. Uh, in my lifetime, I have never seen a more challenging inaugural address. Joe Biden's message had to be about unity. The reason they're allowed That idiot literally, not surprisingly, literally consulted for the West Wing, (laughs) the TV show. Mull about so comfortably today, even after that act, is because of Joe Biden's grace. The president-elect displayed such grace, and it should not go overlooked that that grace and his commitment to unity is what allows the Republicans, who should be ashamed of themselves and ashamed of their conduct on that day, it allows them to move about comfortably in their workplace today. Joe Biden's grace. What really struck me is that after four years of having a president who made everything about himself and everything about his own political future, that this speech that we heard from Joe Biden, it was not a campaign speech. It was not a politics first speech. It was an American speech. It was a patriotic speech. And it was aimed at not just all the people here, but people across the country who, frankly, have been hurting. Yep. For people who grasp that, that's what happened today. His ascension. He made it okay. He yeah. walked among us. He walked among <laughs> us and made us whole again. He made us human again. Now, just for my own amusement, we will quickly, quickly jump back to 2017, January 20th. And you tell me if at all there was a different tenor and spirit to the coverage. Um, this was a workmanlike uh, speech. He It was short and he went through it quickly. Uh, and it was it was militant and it was dark. The crime, the gangs, the drugs, this American carnage, disrepair, decay. You can't imagine the outgoing president giving a speech like that. Um, this president also... Joe Biden used very similar words right. all through his. If you wanted to pull them out with tweezers, you could do the same thing. Nobody does. Repeating, the new president also repeating that there are... Our, 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 our guiding principle will be America first, America first. Uh, we know how he has used that as a campaign slogan that does also have very dark echoes in American history. There was an America first committee that formed in this country, hundreds of thousands of people in this country, some of the richest businessmen in the country who were part of it. They were formed to keep us out of World War II. They were infiltrated by the Nazis. Many of them were anti-Semitic, part of why they weren't alarmed by Hitler's rise. We're not veering away here. <laughs> it's is a bit a, of a stretch, bank shot, it? maybe you think, Rachel? <laughs> just so you know, the dark echoes of America first. first all, I don't so think Trump know. knows any of that about no, Lindbergh or know. America first or the history no. of anything. <laughs> if they don't show it on Fox News and CNN, he doesn't know Can about it. Can you imagine? So, so you hear the Trump speech, you think it's good, and then you have somebody say, whoa, whoa, no, no, what you just heard. Dark. The very dark echoes there of the Nazis, if you didn't know that, America first. He used bad words like um, crime and criminals and dark words. You would never hear President Obama say that. He wouldn't say that. Eyes in Germany, the America first committee um, is something that means a specific thing in this country. To repurpose it now, not that far down the historical path. As a fact, it means a specific thing in this country. So (laughs) even though you might say it and mean America first... As in, it should be the first priority, put our own people first, put the great of the country first. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that the definition is Nazi. <laughs> so there you go. Don't be happy about that. Um, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to hear. Well, you know, usually you hear an inaugural address and it's an effort to bring the nation together as much as possible. And I think that is not the road that Donald Trump took today. The sound, if you heard this 
and you didn't know the occasion for it, I think one might think that this was actually a, a party convention speech or a campaign speech, not an inaugural address. It was dark, it was fierce, there were very few yes. olive branches thrown to people who were skeptical of him and might be open-minded to, uh, to support someday Donald Trump as president or to the other side, people who voted against him and who will never support him. And so I think uh, as an expression of... This is Michael Beschlash, the historian. historian. Presidential historian. What he believes and what he feels emotionally about, it sure was that. But in the tradition of the inaugural addresses that are intended to heal the country after a bruising campaign and maybe even expand the, pre the new president's political base and appeal among the American people, hard for me to see how it does that. It's as if he's responding to us suggesting that he's a Russian asset and that he sold the election. You know, it's in the, and I don't know why he feels the need this occasion to call out ISIS and suggest that MS-13 are murderers. Why would he use this occasion to do that? It's very partisan and dark. <laughs> dark, frightening. Yeah, and it's just funny. I like the whole implication when they talk about, like, Joe Biden's grace or, you know, how he's trying at this moment to bring us together and, you know, all these people are walking the halls of the White House who are Republicans and have wrought this terrible thing upon us. And it's as though what they're actually saying is, can you believe Joe Biden is forgiving these people and trying to bring them together with us? What a person. I don't think, given what Republicans have done, they should be ashamed. Given what Republicans have done, you know, I can't believe Joe Biden's willing to forgive them and work with them. But look at that. What an incredible person. What an incredible person. It's like when Colbert said that, like, asked Biden, like, how he could deal with you know, the fact that reporters were reporting on Hunter's exploits. And like, how do you handle that as a father? Does it hurt you? Wow, you're a better man than I. Like, as though when you're the president having to work with people across the aisle, it's like some act of incredible grace and heroism that requires some sort of special person. Like, politicians have been doing this all along because they fundamentally don't care about the actual partisan ideologies, especially someone like Joe Biden. He's not ideologically a progressive i don't know what he is anymore he's a I transactional mean, guy at this yeah that's but he's always been sort of a transactional politician's politician he just you right. know he does the stuff that's expedient politically at that moment yes and it is what it is which is fine like washington dc has lots of those i'm not judging it but it's not like he's not actually enemies with mitch mcconnell no. <laughs> so no. it's not requiring some huge act of grace for him to forgive and work with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> like, there's no, well, yeah. he doesn't care. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. What You're that, locked that, in the battle of good what, versus evil, but yes. he does, he's not really. Like, it's funny that, that uh, you know, very slim majorities come with acts of grace. <laughs> now, when you've got the supermajority, would you, Obama you get the supermajority? Mm -hmm. You could say elections have consequences. Suck it, Republicans. And he was happy to say right. that. Now Just listening to the words and the song and seeing the lights, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Harris pulled the grief and regret out of the privacy of our hearts, if just for a moment, so that we Eddie all Cloud. could share it. Oh, what a first step. What a beautiful step. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm reminded of the psalmist, you know, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their Man, wounds. the love never stops. <laughs> Those lights that are, that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. It, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing <laughs> America. Joe Biden today, certainly he was commander in chief, but he was also papa in chief. Here is a man Jeez. who gave Americans permission to feel good about who we are and what we can become again. This was just such a breath of fresh air. Uh, that we desperately needed. He is the better angel president. Ah, I know. They will always love you, Joe. They will always love you. Uh, on a slightly different note, we also are back to um, covering fashion in politics. That's back. Well, um, oh, Kamala got returned. her second um, her second Vogue cover. Um, yeah, the light blue one with mm -hmm. the, the jacket. Yeah, so there's both covers out there. Um but yeah, but it, it, Twitter was just a buzz with all the fashion moments that were happening at the inauguration today. That there's been a lull, you realize, in fashion at the White House because there haven't been any 
like model esque or supermodel like no. people there's been, there. Yes. There's been no the very no one, dowdy first lady for the last four years been, has not you know, been and uh, you know no other women around like on press teams or anything. There's been no women actually in the Trump of... administration at all, and the ones that were there had no fashion sense and were not involved in the fashion no. industry. And anyway, so anyway, fashion is now back. You'll be pleased to know uh, <clears throat> NBC News says, calls it masterful, tasteful, and inclusive. The inauguration styles of First Lady Jill Biden, VP Kamala Harris, former First Lady Michelle Obama. Actually, Michelle Obama kind of stole the show. I thought I thought she was the best of the three fashion I'm not a purple guy. A lot of purple I know you don't happening. like purple. There was a lot of purple, but this article actually tells us why. Uh, today, Kamala, along with former First Lady Michelle Obama and uh, former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, all chose to wear various shades of purple. Being a, besides being an obvious nod to the middle ground between the evocative signature red of the Republican Party and blue of the Democratic Party, the color purple is a nod to groundbreaking. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what Hillary was doing, giving a nod to the Republicans. Groundbreaking African American Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm Chisholm, who was both the first Black woman elected to Congress and the first to run for president in 1972, used the color purple throughout her campaign. Ah, uh, you're right. That's incredibly important, significant thing. I remember that the purple years also, of the early 70s. Their uh, stylist at uh, NBC wants them to know that uh, that the color purple has historically been used to signify royalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess Camelot is back again. Yes, I'm glad uh, because I remember four years ago that Melania mm-hmm. actually just wore a burlap sack. I thought yeah, that was uh, in bad taste. Within 25 hours, Vice President Kamala Harris showcased two black designers, which is likely a nod to her support and uplifting an underrepresented voice in reference to designers Sergio Hudson and Christopher John Rogers. Uh, The Christopher John Rogers coat worn by Harris was traditional and restrained, but a winning choice. Harris revisited a color she's worn often during key moments in her own presidential run, though she made waves in the fashion community by donning a white suit and pussy bow silk blouse on the evening she formally accepted the nomination to become the Democratic Party's vice presidential nominee. She wore her signature pearls. That's from um, the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. Uh, that's important. Yes, and- I remember Mrs. Pence wore something designed by Ava Braun, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, let's see. And then we have um, Biden, the incoming first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, chose to wear an ocean blue wool tweed coat and dress by young American designer Alexander O'Neill of Mark Harian. She's young and up and coming, so Biden's giving her a huge honor to dress the first lady, calling the outfit tasteful and appropriate with understated but glamorous shimmery details and matching gloves. Her custom dress is well-fitted, traditional, feminine, and strong, and she says she's not here to rock the runway. Uh, he compared Biden's career woman aesthetic to that of former First Lady Melania Trump, who maxed out high fashion. Is this the, fashion, the lead splash in the New York Times? Wearing uh, in the non-American no. designers during her tenure. Who? Uh, Melania? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Just hit she her for wore- not wearing American <laughs> designers? None of them would dress her, by the mm-hmm. way, just in case you remember that. They all hated her because, you know, there was never any hate. You know, from the right. left in the last four years. Oh, of course. But they wouldn't. But they decided so, to be mean to a woman, an immigrant woman, I believe. Uh, by the way, but that was then. That right. Was so then. Uh, we heard about. Let's see. HuffPost has it too. Refinery Twenty Nine, Vanity Fair, uh, ah! Fashion. Jesus Christ! What is it? There's a big goddamn insect on my computer. What type of insect? I don't know, dude. Like a moth? Like no, he's not s- a moth. He's a big bastard. Take a picture. I'm going to. I'm going to change it so you can you see. You should Instagram it. I'm going to show you. You can see. Oh, that's just a stink bug. The new type of stink bug. Can you see it? Is it on the screen? Um, A little bit. He moved to your moved to the side a little bit. The side? Uh, yeah, but now up a little bit. Yeah, there he is. There's your stink bug. Very cute, honey. <laughs> Why is there a new model of stink bug, I don't bug know. around? Get out of here. Bait it. Fade it. Go play with Alice. <laughs> don't throw it at me. I was in your direction. I didn't throw it at you. I don't know where he is. I don't like weird bugs, freak sake. I'm scared. Okay. Oh, I thought maybe um, in, the, in the era of Biden with unity, we could get rid of the bugs. Vanity Fair says fashion diplomacy returns at the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris inauguration. Also, another fashion star is Ella Emhoff, who you can expect to start hearing a lot about. Do you know who Ella Emhoff is? Is that the daughter of... Doug Emhoff. Yeah, so it's Kamala's, Kamala's... stepdaughter. Okay. So she goes to Parsons School of Design, where oh, Tim Gunn's Jesus. a teacher. Designers? And, uh, she wore a Mew Mew embellished coat to the I was gonna inauguration. Say, I was going to say... <laughs> I know you were wondering who that, that was. That was a, a tippet or a pashmina? Mm-hmm. 
And um, uh, we heard about Kamala Harris's prior moss coat uh, the night before when they were at the memorial. And then finally, of course, I'm sure you did not miss the uh, Dior ones walking down behind Klobuchar. The, everyone... the po- was that the poet uh, who wore no. the pillbox hat? No, I don't know who she was wearing, although that was also a fashion moment. But she was overshadowed by the Dior ones. Mm -hmm. So Kamala Harris's niece, Mina Harris, is married to a guy, Nicholas something. I am not very interested in this, Alice. And he was wearing a highly coveted pair of Dior-Nike collaboration sneakers called Dior ones. Oh, these are the Michael Jackson I don't know if they're are Michael they Jackson, but they're right. a collaboration between Dior and Nike that they're like very highly sought after, very expensive uh, designer sneakers that he wore to the inauguration. So, so fashion has returned. A new day has dawned in America. <laughs> things are back to normal. <laughs> uh, so things are back to normal, with the exception of if you're uh, somebody who supported Trump, or certainly somebody who worked for him, but if you loudly supported him. In any uh, real way, um, they're coming for you. The winners write history, and they're the losers. The shame of the people around Trump who have participated in the shaping of the great American catastrophe over the last four years will be held to account. Will be held to account by the judgment of history, by the judgment of decent Americans, They'll be held to account by corporate America as they look for jobs, by corporate America as they seek donations. They will not write their history. We will write their history. And their shame will last forever. That's Steve Schmidt of the Lincoln Project, desperately trying to do backflips for the progressive left, um, showing us just how animated and mad he is at the Trump people. So don't don't execute him professionally because he's so <laughs> mad he's on the hunt for the bad people. Believe him, he is. Believe him, okay? Trying to dance for them as much as uh, they'll take, and they are just not that interested, it's embarrassing. Steve. The Lincoln Project has had a tough time recently between the uh, allegations of inappropriate conduct towards young men by one of the founders and just correct they have they have some problems yes it's uh the jig is just about (laughs) up for those guys it's been fun of course very quickly um you know this whole thing reminds me of this media love affair to watch joe biden today it was such a stark reminder of of how as a country we do seek out Whatever we think we were missing, you know, whatever it is we thought we were missing in the previous president, he is the better angel president. <laughs> so um, the reason I bring that up is because Joe Biden. Oh, sorry, sorry, Chuck. Um, is you know, I, I think about when are other times when America needed a Papa president. In the the first time I remember, this wasn't a member of the media. This is a, a dude was in 1992 during the debates with Bill Clinton and Ross Perot and George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm going to play here? Do you know about Ponytail Guy? I don't think I do know about So there was a guy, guy, I think this is the MTV debate. It might not be. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it was a PBS debate. And so this guy grabs a microphone mm-hmm. and he asks the candidate a question. The focus of my work as a domestic mediator is meeting the needs of the children that I work with. I, that tells you which direction mm-hmm. we're going in by way of their parents and not the wants of their parents and i asked the three of you how can we as symbolically the children of the future president expect the two of you the three of you to meet our needs how daddy <laughs> which one of you is going to be the best daddy for us what are you going to do will you be a papa papa bill and of course obviously you tee up something like that with a young, sharp Bill Clinton sitting there. Oh yeah, that's his. Oh that, yeah, that's his. Wheelhouse. Oh, he is biting lips. Yeah. He's tearing up. He is, you know, walking <laughs> towards the person. He's feeling pain. He's doing that is perfect. Maybe that's what did it. Maybe it was a Clinton ministry. Clinton kind of codifying that this this transaction of the people right. needing a, a, you know paternal love and support to the politician willing to be that parent. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh goodness! Uh, I wanted to I wanted to play this Kellyanne Conway stuff. Kellyanne, his, her daughter has put a bunch of stuff on TikTok uh, showing Kellyanne yelling at. Why are you still here? <laughs> 
Your bug friend is back. God damn it. Go play somewhere. Here he is again. I don't like the way you look. <laughs> the other stink bugs were bad looking enough. This bastard looks dangerous. I know. These are also from China. <sighs> Jesus. China's Thank God there's nobody who's been influenced from China in the White House now. We can expect. Can you screw, please? <laughs> don't upset him too much. He'll make the rum smell bad. Um. So here's Kellyanne's daughter, uh, Claudia, has uh, taped Kellyanne on TikTok. She's recorded her uh, yelling at her, being mean to her. Can you please, Mom? No, you please. I want you out of here. You were making you mad. Some fifteen-year-old made you mad. Right. You're never gonna record another thing in your life. It's going for a forensic analysis. One bit for you to tell people I'm a bitch. What? 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 There's something wrong with you. Yeah, there mocking is. me. You think I'm mocking you? I'm trying to have a conversation with you. you know what you done to yourself? Fingers. Do you know what you've done to yourself? No. Immature. Can you stop? No, you don't ignore me. Asshole. And they're paying attention to you because they know that you need extra help. What'd you call me? What do you want to know? Hyper? Nice. So uh, people, some people are suggesting that it's, it's proof of abuse by Kellyanne. Proof Kelly of Ann. abuse, yeah. Right. To me, which that's... obviously is what Claudia is trying to do. Well, to with, me, she's to like me, got... that's proof that a dynamic <laughs> professional working woman has a punk daughter, <laughs> right? And is yelling at her. Good for you, Kellyanne. I highly well, endorse. Yeah, I agree. And like the daughter's doing performance art. Something's wrong with you. I'm 15. Right. Like <laughs> screw <laughs> performance kid. art. Punk. Oh, well, we're not on TikTok. Actually, Tom is on TikTok, but the Burn Barrel Podcast is on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Um, and then we're also on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. We are on YouTube, the Tom Shaddix Burn Barrel channel on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel so you always see new videos. Like and subscribe. Say la vie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.